game for the game, not the faint of heart. It's a game that you love right from the very start. It's just passion and blood when you hear the call. You gotta be game to play this game and give your all. It's a bomb! Nathan Jones from 40, no one in his way! Goal! With the outside of the boot! Corey Dixon, what about that? Danger on his left, could not, could not, could not, but does the going! The Eagles are in front, gone cheap by the hero! is football. Here's your host, Tim Lane. And a very good afternoon to you and welcome to 3AW Saturday Football. Big day, the second day of round 21. And we're at the MCG for Melbourne versus Collingwood. Initially tonight, we go to Marvel Stadium for the Bombers and the Bulldogs. Big games in between times too. Port Adelaide and Sydney at the Adelaide Oval this afternoon. And they're all important games for Port Adelaide if they're going to play in the finals. And at twilight, it is the Q clash between between the Lions and Gold Coast at the Gabba. We're here, of course, for McDonald's. 3AW Football brought to you by McDonald's. 24 Chicken McNuggets for $9.95, available at Macca's after 10.30am. Match time is 1.45. We have the team here. Uh, we want to hear from you on the Nick Theodosi Prestige Cars open line, 96900693 or 13.13.32. We'll take your calls uh, whenever you put them through. And just before we get to Lee and Jimmy and Caro, uh, let's go back to last night and the snow job in Canberra. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Man, There's a slight possibility of, of snow uh, about about the Canberra Metro. It is snowing here at Monica, folks. This is unbelievable. And it is not yet quarter time. So local 12 down the eastern seaboard, 20 past 8 on a Friday night. And you can hear the crowd actually in the background. They're getting quite excited by the historic nature of it as well. I knew that it was raining because there'd been a bit of drizzle and, and, and light rain falling even prior to the game. But, you know, the, the crowd got excited. I was wondering what the cheers were. But the, the, uh, the, the crowd were excited. Our players were excited. We were excited. You know, that doesn't, uh, doesn't happen in, uh, in league footy in our country, you know. And uh, for the first time, we're fortunate enough that it happened in our game. 
Clarko having the last word, as he so often does. And as far as GWS is concerned, he was the abominable snowman, Caro. Tim, this was one of the biggest nights of the football year in terms of stories. It was a multi-layered win. And for GWS, it was a disastrous loss. There are so many elements to this story, but Alistair Clarkson emerges like a beacon from them all. I mean, he, he owned this week. He was Kevin Sheedy-like in his promotion of this game. It should have been GWS's big night. It's their ground. They've got a big Canberra membership. They usually do pretty well in Canberra. Um, there's a top four space, place up for grabs. From the moment he started saying, you know, we're not, we're not guaranteeing Jared Ruffett a farewell game. We're not allowing long sleeve jumpers. Running around, you know, half naked in that ridiculous topless outfit as he did the other day. Laughing at the cold weather. Um, it, was, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And I know that Leon Cameron dissed it after the game when Tom Brown asked him about the different mindsets going into the game. And, you know, Jeremy Cameron shivering and the Hawthorne players laughing at the cold weather. But he absolutely trumped them last night and he showed us again why he is not only a brilliant coach but a brilliant salesman for this game. It, he's sort of Kevin Sheedy without the complete nuttiness. Although there is a bit of nuttiness. And I, and I go to you reluctantly because I do want to hear from Jimmy on and GWS. Jimmy's even rugged up in the corner here and it's not even cold. <laughs> That's a, if you have anything to do with the Giants, that what happened. <laughs> can, now, can I say about the snow? As Crocodile Dundee said about the night, a few snowflakes, that ain't snow. I played in Canberra at a schoolboy game when there was three inches of snow on the Monica <laughs> Oval. That's snow. So a few snowflakes. How weak. <laughs> there wasn't any snow on the ground. No snow on the ground. I saw the TV pictures. It looked like snow on the TV. There was no snow on the ground. That's all that matters. It's a bit cold for the Giants, though, Jimmy. <laughs> it was, and I am weak. I'm a wimp. I'm rugged up, but I always have been a wimp and weak when it comes to cold. I... Jeez, well, I think my back went into spasm watching the games. It, it was cold. It was freezing. There was snow in the air. The, the fans loved it. The crowd loved it. But just the, the Hawks were far too good in every aspect of the game. And I'm, I agree with you, Kara. I think Alistair Clarkson, you've got to tip your cap to him, not only on game day, but the whole week he's handled it. I know you'll speak a bit more about you know how you've seen his week, but the, they were just better in every aspect of the game. And I'm not... It sounds like I'm being dismissive. But I'm not. I'm trying to acknowledge how good they were because that was such a complete performance from them. They picked us apart um, and a lot of Giants players will have to individually look at themselves before the coaches look at them. What about Leon Cameron who we know get, cops it a bit behind the scenes yeah. from the AFL who doesn't think, he, they don't think he's done well enough with this yeah. list that which he's is got. Unu- which is unusual really. To, like I know the AFL have a huge investment in the Giants but why is there a greater interest in his coaching tenure than other coaching tenures. Because he's their man in their newest outpost and they need GWS to do well. And this was a Friday night game. Um, Matthew Lloyd, I think, described it on 3AW as the biggest loss in their history. On paper, it's the worst score in their history. Yeah. And they've got two more games to play and there's final three more games, two more games, and there's finals yep. to be played for. I, I can't see how this happened. Yeah, neither can I. And that's why you take a bit of, pro- uh, bit of time to process it. But Matty Lloyd's comments are absolutely fair and spot on. If it's not the worst loss, it's certainly vying for the podium, isn't it? With The score says that, the way they played. Look, there's a lot of injuries, but I'm with Leon Cameron. The injuries weren't the reason why they lost. Let's hear from Lloydy himself. And uh, this is one of the ugliest days in the Giants' history, you would have thought. And that, that's a massive call, but I'm just talking about there's so many expectations. I know they've got a lot of players out, but still, you're better than that. In these conditions... 
to be losing by almost nine goals is just one of the worst beatings they've had in the history of their club. You always got two parts of any game of footy. You've got the planning part and the execution part. So in the planning part for the Giants, let's start with the Giants. How are they wanting to play? I mean, the point being, and Jimmy, you might not even know the answer to this question, you know it's going to be a wet, miserable night. The snow sort of just added a little bit to the theatre of it all. But it was a difficult night, not a clean ball handling night. I mean, in the planning, surely you're planning for a game and play under those conditions. I mean, these days we rotate half a dozen footies, so, okay, the footy stays a little bit drier than it used to in the old days with, with one footy, but nevertheless, you know, when, they, when, you, when you're in the back line and in those conditions and you kick the ball, say, from the centre corridor, chip it out wide 20 metres towards the boundary line, you're not getting anywhere. No. It just allows the defence to get in position behind the ball when really it's just kick the ball forward, hope it runs into space every now and again, as it did for Hawthorne early. But would, surely, was that what the Giants were planning to do and then the execution just failed? Yeah, and it's a great question, Lee, and that's probably the question I've been you know, asking myself when I was watching the game unfold and post-match. And you've you got to be very careful when, when the heat's still on the game and you don't want to make some rash decisions. But that's probably something that myself and others at the Giants will probably be going through. Was it the plan or was it the execution of the plan or did the players actually not follow the plan so you, yeah, you're sort of yeah. going through those those three things at the moment um was Hawthorne did they pull their their plan apart really well and they just never adjusted but when I was watching it it just it, it's not the Giants thing but when I watch sides as a whole when they play in their conditions they don't adjust to wet weather footy and everyone goes oh what's wet weather footy the simple way that I approach wet weather football is you actually have to shrink the ground that's width to the ground so you see clubs now and they call it defending with the ball and they kick long down the line which means kick it to the boundary but in the wet you actually you can bring that line in a more direct angle to to goal so Hawthorne last night identified the conditions all week it was wet and cold you said Alistair Clarkson running around with a, without a top on you watch how many times Hawthorne kicked the ball in a direct line to goal mm. so as a as a defender you're not going to mark the ball in those conditions so you're going to punch it away then you have to be cleaner at ground level and it just brings everyone in the game but the Giants they had played the two Ruckman which should have made them kick it more direct even more so but they were still trying to find those short ones wide and on the lead and it just was almost saying oh, oh don't worry about the conditions Was that a selection blunder playing Simpson and Mumford? No I, I think the selection was right but they actually didn't play to the selection so when you're seeing big Dawson Simpson it's no knock on, on Dawson but when you're seeing him lead into the pocket you know, it's snowing just park drop, yourself just at the top of his head. Yeah, his and get head around. Dare I say, Tim, dare I say, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, the Tasmanian connection has not hurt Hawthorne on a night like that. Absolutely. I, I actually tipped them for that reason in my little tipping competition, Caro, and uh, they didn't disappoint Dad, at all. You've tipped Melbourne again today. You've just tipped all the outside. Yeah, I have there. Tim, yeah, the no, serviette right. strikes again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too far behind for it to make any difference. Uh, 9-6-900-693 or 13-13-32. We're about to get to our first caller. Lee, did you wear sleeves uh, back in the under-18s in Canberra when it really snowed all those years ago? Well, I think this was under 14, so I think it might under have been. 14. I think they might have been long sleeve jumpers anyway. But uh, I remember. No, I seriously, it's one of the few I remember it because we had to play the final. Victoria was an under 14 schoolboy. Had to play uh, West Australia on the Saturday in the final, and all it snowed Friday night, <laughs> and there was like three inches of snow on the ground, not just a few snowflakes. And they they played a couple of ten minute half just to say they sort of said they played the game. But I still I still kind of can remember that. Uh, that what happened to your boots? What happened ago. to your boots? in the snow 
Wait a minute, what happened to her? Well, I mean, how did you run around? (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, I mean, it was terrible. It was impossible to play, but that that was, yeah, in three inches of snow on the ground. That was a little bit different than a few snowflakes. I keep reiterating. Toby Green played. He he struggled manfully. He played manfully all night, and he had long sleeves on, didn't he? He did. He defied the long sleeves. What's wrong with long sleeves? Jimmy made made him fashionable. (laughs) Stop, stop picking on the long sleeve Breton. As someone once said of Lee Matthews, talk about a He-Man. Sullivan joins us from Warrnambool. Welcome, Sullivan. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm inspired by Parco, guys. It's eight degrees down here in the hail, and I've come down to my shorts and single to cut up a tree down the back paddock. But, Lee, just how much management is above the shoulders? And, and what he did last night was just a masterstroke. He's smiling, everyone's smiling, they're enjoying it. It's, it's so much coaching now is above the shoulders, and he's, he's nailed it to a tee. Well, certainly the attitude, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's a sort of, it's a subtle way of, I mean, sometimes the connection between what you think's happening and what gets into the player's psyche, I mean, it's a tenuous sort of connection. But nevertheless, that aside, I mean, get, having the right attitude to all that stuff, and the fact that it's going to be cold and embracing the cold and not sort of just they've been resistant to the cold. I mean, that, that seemed like Hawthorne, the way they played the game in their whole manner, uh, seemed like they, they did that. And, uh, and Alistair Clarkson probably led that. I mean, with the, well, yeah, the running around on the Friday uh, before the game without a top on at all. You say, nah, it's not cold. Although he's, he's known to have worn shorts into the snow in America going to a Super Bowl one day, I think, Clark. So, Unlike you, Jimmy, I don't no. think he feels a cold. Tom no, Hafey would have been proud of him. And a it. salute to the good folk of Cambria, Tim. I mean, more than 11,000 yeah, on a night like that is, is pretty impressive, and I don't know how much we can thank Clarko for that. Did you have a board meeting before the game, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, the morning of. So the coach is out of contract at the end of next year, yep. is that correct? Yep. Any talk about renewing his contract at this stage? Not, not at this stage. And that, that's a, a, negative, and a negative. It just hasn't been spoken about yet. He's still, still contracted for another 18 months. Of course, the wind keeps the Hawks in contention, Vaguely, and that raises an interesting question, which Stephen, calling from Melbourne, has on his lips. Go ahead. Yeah, good day, guys. Look, um, actually, I just wanted to know. It was a great game. I'm a happy Hawthorne supporter, and I know the boys get along with Clarko very well. But uh, do you think Muffet's going to get a, a farewell game? Because we're not going to make finals. We're not good enough to be there. And I feel like uh, Clarko's got a little bit of a ruthless streak when it comes to sentiment. What do you think? It's a really interesting situation. I would have thought if they lost last night, they're, they're on, uh, what, eight wins with two games to go. They, they, the finals are probably gone. But the fact they won last night and finals are still mathematically possible. We know they play the Suns next week. Then they play the Eagles in Perth in the last game. But that, you know, they have to win both of them to get to 11 wins. But given they're still alive, that's a very different situation than what they would have been if they lost. And then... I think you'd have to play Ruffy because it's not as if Ruffy is that far worse than the 22. I mean, we get the impression that they wanted to get games into Lewis and O'Brien and kids like that, and that's why Ruffy's been pushed aside for this last couple of months. And it's, it's, it's a club thing as much as a team thing, but when the team's still in contention, the team thing and the, and the best chance of winning has to be the primary consideration. As I say, if they'd lost, I thought it would have been a no-brainer that he played next week. So it's interesting times, really. It, uh, I, I think Hawthorne next week got every right to pick the 22 that give them the best chance of winning. And if that includes Ruffy, great. But if not, maybe too bad. What would you do? 
And I'd pick the best 22, given their situation right now. Even against the Gold Coast? Well, yeah, but that, you can't, you don't, no coach can say, oh, even against the Gold Coast. I mean, that's, that's the problem. You can't have a mindset, oh, they were, they were inferior to him, we'll beat him anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, you, no coach can go in with that attitude. So it really is a conundrum. Uh, so you don't play him? I, I would, uh, no, because no, I'd go the other way. I think Ruffy playing maybe separates the game uh, from the mix. In other words, I think Hawthorne would be better off by Ruffy being in their team. You can celebrate Ruffy. I think it'll stimulate and motivate his teammates. Yeah. Uh, I, so I think that's, he still, that still makes yeah. the best chance of winning, in other words. Yeah, I... I'm with Lee on that. It actually makes that week again, like this week, another theme. You know what I mean? For yeah. coaches, coaches yeah. always looking yeah. for themes. Uh, and uh, with Lee, it separates it from being a potential flattish game against Gold Coast, who they're expected to win. It turns into the rough head week. And what if he kicks six? Does he go to Perth? That's the next does. question. We better get to a break. We might uh, attempt to answer that. Maybe in why, why, why. We want to hear more Jim, of your comments. there's a bit of news about on. tomorrow too before we go to the break. Yes, we're told that Dustin Martin is out with soreness and uh, Carlton not far away from full strength for tomorrow. So what's that, Caro? No Martin, no R- no Rance says it's no been Rance. all year because yeah. he got injured against Carlton, of course, in round one and no Trent Cotchin. Jack Ross is coming into the team to have another look at him. But that's a big out for Richmond. Trent Cotchin will be joining us pre-match, and in our, that's tomorrow. Uh, in our pre-match today, we've got Gary Pert, Collingwood CEO, joining us very shortly. And Melbourne CEO. Melbourne CEO and Collingwood's <laughs> uh, Football Operations Manager, Jeff Walsh, a little later in the program. Don't go away. 3RW Football from the MCG. It's Melbourne versus Collingwood at 1.45, and you'll hear it all here. 3RW Football brought to you by McDonald's. And welcome back. 3AW Saturday football starting at the MCG. It will be Melbourne versus Collingwood, a Demon home game here at 1.45. Tonight, Essendon and the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium. And we've just heard that that game is sold out. So if you were thinking of uh, going along and just uh, entering... By paying at the gate, it's too late. You won't get in. The Bombers and the Bulldogs, a sellout at Marvel Stadium, which uh, is great news for the home team, Essendon, as it plays to nail down a spot in the finals. Gary Pert, Melbourne CEO, in just a moment. Quickly, uh, Dom from Burwood, welcome. Yeah, just with GWS, to me, the horse is bolted. I mean, you cannot lose Smith, Trelaw, Adam Shield, Ward, Scully, Cornelio, Patton, Kelly's injured, Hopper, Finlayson, Hoskin, Elliott. I mean, what do you guys think? I think that the horse is bolted, that they've just lost too many players. And if Cornelia goes to Carlton, imagine Sheryl and Cornelio walking out of, say, Collingwood or Richmond in two, uh, after two seasons. I mean, I just think they've, they've just bolted for them. What do you think? Jimmy Bartell, board member oh, at GWS. Yeah. Well, Cornelio is still a a giant, but we couldn't keep them all. That was just the list structure, the way it was going. So, and there's a thing called salary cap. So, we, we'd love to keep them all and you know keep this you know list of stars. But I'm pretty happy with the list we've got as well. There's Lockie Whitfield, there's Josh Kelly. We've got young Taranto and Hopper coming through this year. So, there's enough talent on that list. Are you worried Cornelio's lost to you now? No. So, just to give you the one to be able to answer it, how come the Melbourne clubs can have them all on their list? Yeah, they've got a great list of players, but so have we. 
But you said you had to get rid of these players oh, for the salary cap reasons. Yeah, because when GWS was set up, we had additional numbers than the, the average list down in Melbourne. So okay. we, we had to cut yeah. our list, keep pairing it back, going from an expansion club to a standard. And they had a cost of living allowance too, which the, they lost. Well, because I'm, I'm of, just getting to the fact, Jimmy, they're probably yeah. getting paid 20% more than their market value. That's why. Yeah, yeah which doesn't help. Gary Pert has joined us in the 3AW commentary box. Before we introduce him... The first lady of football on Footy Classified on Channel 9 last Monday night. New boss Gary Pert last year sold the board of vision of a big, powerful football club. No one's blaming Pert for 2019, but his first stated ambition of 60,000 members has fallen well short. It sits at the moment at around 52. On Saturday night, Melbourne's home game against Richmond loomed in March as perhaps a grand final preview, but it fizzled. A shocking 37,000 turned up at that game. We could talk for hours about what's gone wrong at Melbourne Football Club this year, but is anyone really talking about that? One big concern is that the football community is not talking about Melbourne at all. True, the coach is safe but the, and that helps, but the truth is, I believe, people just don't care about Melbourne at the moment. Well, Caro, do we regard that as the first question in this interview with Gary, or would you like to... Round it off, smooth it at the edges. Well, well, Gary, today you host Collingwood, and again, like last weekend, it looked in March as an unbelievable two weeks of not only big games for the Melbourne Footy Club, but very good for your bottom line, and that's not going to happen, which must be a great concern. Yeah, well, and it has a big impact. So this year where we've normally had Queen's birthday, that's a big revenue source, and this is the first year that... Um, Collingwood got that money and we did have the two big key games at the end of the year and if we were right in the mix for the finals and Richmond and Collingwood were playing good footy, we could have 85 90,000 people here and to see the numbers against Richmond uh, last week, which you're right probably cost us over a couple of hundred thousand dollars and um, with the way both teams are playing with the main focus on us today, the weather all those elements, it's probably another $200,000 impact again, so um, it does roll out off the field as well as on. I, I, I think stability is one reason Melbourne isn't back page news because we're not talking about Simon Goodwin being under the pump or the board being thrown out like has happened at Carlton and Richmond and Collingwood in re previous years but people have stopped caring about Melbourne and I think that's a worry. Does that worry you? Um, it does, and, and one of the elements of what I talked about, and, and, and I'm 100% committed to that, that Melbourne is a big club, and it's a successful club that doesn't look like that now, and it hasn't for a long period of time. But when we're regularly playing in finals, when we're playing in a game where our Melbourne supporters are rolling up today thinking we're every chance to beat a team like Collingwood, and we've been doing that for four or five years, we will be a big club. We've grown our membership by 30 which is an extra million dollars that comes into the club. And if we had have won those early games, I have no doubt we would have got to 60,000 this year. And, we're, and then we're starting to look like a big, successful club. But if you don't deliver on field, and I'm not talking for one season, I'm talking about for a period of five, six, seven years, will be significant because I think your points are all very valid. So, Gary, what went wrong? 
Well, I, I wish I could sit here and go, there's only one thing, because that means you've only got to fix one thing. But uh, I think it's pretty obvious we did, uh, we certainly pulled things apart in the in the break during the year and we could see some elements that um, that we could work on straight away as players and, and coaches. So you reshuffled a few coaches around and now we know Brendan McCartney's leaving and probably more to come. Yeah, and, and I think the players also had a look at the way they were playing and, and uh, we made some changes. So that's made some improvements. We certainly haven't uh, turned things around to the point of being unbeatable from that point of view but it, it's about not only winning what we can and playing the best footy for the back part of this year it's about setting up for next year and, and you mentioned Macca there um, who selflessly was happy to play any role when we went through that review and, and in the same way he went to Goody at the end of this year and said five years ago I made a commitment to do two things to mentor and help Goody grow as a coach and he's done that and, and you've only got to listen the way Goody talks about him and develop this young list of players especially the midfielders and, and he's ticked both those bo- um, those boxes and, and now he sat down with Goody and said but it's time for me to make a change and for you to bring new IP into the club new energy, new enthusiasm and, and set a new program and that's certainly what's played out. Gary, a bit further that, you, you mentioned uh, at the buy some coaching changes and Brendan McCartney went on we, have you gotten to the bottom, all clubs review, every club does a review at the end of the year, but have you been pretty disappointed with the way the team started the season, I guess you know, so many players in surgery and weren't ready for the season is, is that the disappointing fact that you actually never got your season going at all? Yeah and, and we're very clear on the elements that have um, played out and, and if we were to be at our best this year I don't think there's any doubt that we've got a great young list, everyone knows that but we needed to have a great pre-season so we had an easier fixture last year we got into the finals only beating two of the top eight teams to get there we knew that we needed to be a three or four game better team this this year and to actually have the injuries that were a roll-on from last year 15 unprecedented 15 operations that meant 11 of our players most of them as part of our our key drivers and on-field leaders didn't do any pre-season before Christmas and that's why the footy department come to myself and the board before the season started to say it'll be six or eight weeks before we can get our players back and start to build some momentum. So that, that off-season period has had a big impact and rolled through throughout the year. Just in, in terms of being a big club and a destination club and therefore being able to recruit a, you know, a wanted player from around the competition. Don't, I mean, the room mill doesn't seem to be mentioning Melbourne in the market and it might be in the background, but as a destination club, How has the progress there, do you think? I can tell you now that is absolutely in place. So we... with uh, David Misson leaving and we advertised for that role and we had over 50 applications and I can tell you now, we ended up with Darren Burge which was the exact person that we want and I'm talking on an international scale, we're, we're wrapped that Darren's coming on board, I reckon there's probably four or five other people from within the AFL, within world sport that actually applied and wanted to be part of this program um, and on any other given year probably would have got the role and done a great job except that Darren Burge was literally, we we think is world best practice it's a recurring theme for melbourne whether these things mean anything or not or whether they're just coincidences but uh, have you identified any characteristics about this club that you've only entered in the last 12 months that you see as being flawed in some way that sees it tees its supporters and then uh, 
always fall in a disappointing heap? Yeah, and there's an element of even having that question. And when I got announced into the role, I had so many Melbourne people come up to me and say, um, Purdy, you know, great on the job, but, you know, you're going to have to get used to some disappointment. And can I tell you about these stories of about the past and how tough it's been? And, and my view on that is I have no ownership to that. I'm, I'm aware of it. I understand the scar tissue. All I want to do is look forward. And that's why when we paint a picture of what this club is going to look like, I have no doubt in my time at the club we're actually we're going to get the product on we're going to get the product right on field and it's going to be a consistent performance the supporters will come back as soon as we got it right last year we're at the mcg here playing in in front of 90,000 people and the majority of melbourne supporters we've grown our membership 30 percent to 53,000 and you add another 12,000 to that because there's 12,000 mcc members who don't tick the box to be a Melbourne member, but they're here watching the games dressed in their But you're Melbourne compensated gear. for that. You're compensated for that from the MCC. Um, we're compensated a very small amount compared to if they were either Melbourne members or if they even just ticked the box for $88 to be a Melbourne member as well. Now, that's in the realm of about $1 to $2 million every year. And, and if that played out, even over the last five years, we are a highly profitable club and actually pay down our debt and we're in a different um, we're in a different bracket so I'm not these are just things that we'll be working through as part of growing the club into its best version of itself. Carol, you've and got another one. Uh, Gary Pert is our guest on well, 3AW Football you, To be the best version of yourself, it wasn't enough just to make a prelim last year. And there is no doubt that the one percenters, the club took their eye off the ball. Maybe the players were not as tough as they could have been over the pre-season. Maybe some bad decisions were made. You, you talk to people from head office and they say you didn't bother to send either of your captains to Captain's Day. I think Max Gorn turned up instead. There was a women's footy review at some point and Melbourne wasn't there. Do you think the club collectively became, got a bit ahead of itself? No, because I know that you're getting that comment from Gil because he's the only one that mentioned no. it. No. Yes, um, that well, come from he Gil. might have said it originally, yeah, but not but to me. He said it to me five times and, and I reject that five times because... Our both captains had no pre-season. They were injured the entire pre-season. And this was an opportunity to get an extra practice game in. So our two captains started the season with one practice game. So the, they're there to prepare themselves. So they can't the turn up and game, represent the club on captain's day? Not on the day that there's a practice game on that day. And the only way they could play and get... Um, uh, game practice and hardness in was to play in that game. Now, if they'd have done the whole pre-season and played in four other practice games, they're there on the day. But it was the decision of the club to go... Well, that's interesting that the chief executive of the AFL has said to you that he thinks that there were some one percenters you took the eye off the ball on. Yeah, well, so what I would say... Do you dispute that? What I'd say to Gil is... Um, the marketing exercise, which I know is very important, are getting the uh, captains all together, and that's the AFL's responsibility. The club's responsibility is to do everything possible to get its players, especially its key players, as ready as possible for that first game. So it was the call of the club not to take their eye off the ball, which is to put our best team out on the field in the best shape, not to turn up for a photo shoot where we provided Max Gorn and he was able to do the job. So I, I do reject 
Gill's comments on that, and I've told him every time. Will Alan Richardson and or Brendan Bolton be of interest as members of your coaching panel? They now have uh, senior coaching on their CVs. Uh, well, I, you know, we never commentate all the way through in terms of players and coaches, but we're chatting to every possible player and player manager and every possible coach and coach manager about looking at what our program looks like moving forward. All those conversations are taking place, um, probably with a bit more depth, to be quite honest with us, because we, we're mathematically out. A lot of these conversations ramp up at the end of the year, but we're right in the mix of that. But, um, uh, you know, we, we don't... Uh, commentate that until we're ready to tell our members and to say this is what the on-field and off-field team's going to look like moving forward and um, I, I think it'll be exciting. Two qu- sorry, just two quick industry yep. ones from me. Would you support the Gold Coast in their bid to get a priority pick? Um, I support the Commission looking at adding support and I think it's actually got to be a, not a short-term sugar hit. I think it's actually got to be, and I know they're exploring some things, that are really substantial long-term 10-15 year um, efforts to make sure that this is a team that is um, successful and in the mix and able to provide an offering to its players to keep them there in the long term. So those, those, all those areas that are being explored... Um, Pick two, I'd, though. I'd, uh, look, I think, as far as I'm concerned, five years ago, Melbourne went to um, the AFL and said they wanted a prior priority picked and I think if you do the mathematics on it the seven years prior they actually had a lower average um, performance than the Gold Coast over the last seven years and they were knocked back and told that um, priority picks wouldn't be used as a way to bolster team performance there was other fundamentals that would play out so again I, I don't know where the commission's at on it I think the Gold Coast needs some support but uh, I I the idea of a short-term sugar hit, uh, I don't see that as uh, the ideal. And another player has tested positive to illicit drugs, this time on match day, a Gold Coast player. Is the AFL doing enough with its illicit drugs policy? Um, would you, you, know, would I, you toughen it up? Well, I've, I've had strong views over a long period of time and we've talked about it a lot. I mean, what, the one thing I think out of this that we've got to keep on highlighting is there's not a illicit drug policy and a performance enhancing drug policy. They are totally linked depending on the different circumstances and the players and industry have got to get their heads around that, that a drug that might have been considered in the illicit drug um, policy taken at a particular time of the week all of a sudden becomes a performance enhancer and a career's literally blown up. So it's not about a warning, it's literally your career could be over. Um, so it's, it's important that we take those learnings and, and the players do as well. Final just, one, Lee. Yeah, just one football department uh, question to finish off. I mean, you've got the senior coach and yes, Darren Burgess is your head of conditioning incredibly important role in the multitude of other people in the footy department what's the third most important um i would say that your um the head of the football program josh marnie critically important because of the decisions he made uh, makes and the leadership that he provides obviously goody and i would say darren burge they're the three that need to be aligned with the ceo to be aligned with the board and one of the things i've got to say and i've been so impressed of with every day at the Melbourne Football Club, that alignment, let's face it, 
during a difficult year of this year, that alignment has just been flawless and I think that's really important from a leadership group and Darren Burgess's philosophies to align with that was a really important part of the decision. Now I was told he will oversee the medical department as well, is that true, Um, correct? All of that will be rolled out and announced and the reason why I say that is because I need to be respectful of the fact that discussions internally are still being had and 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 not articulated the full picture that's a bit ominous the head of high performance overruling the head doctor what i'm saying to that answer is we're not talking about apart from the announcement of darren burgess any of the structures of how it rolls out and reporting lines will roll out as a full picture at the end of the year and i think that's the respectful way to do it considering We've but surely you're not going to let the doctor be overruled by your head of high performance. We saw what happened at another club when that happened. Yeah, well, um, the the structure of the club means the doctor is not overruled by anyone, including the CEO. So the, the doctor has the, the platform and the forum to report directly through to the board, and that's something that I'm very strong on and have been for a long period of time, that not even the CEO can actually influence that. So the doctors need to be able to go straight through to the board to have their views heard. And as we bid you farewell, Gary, uh, is it reasonable to assume that the competitive juices would be stimulated a little by the fact that uh, you have the chance to upset Collingwood's apple cart as they battle for a higher position on the ladder than they currently occupy? Oh, look, I... Uh, yes, the answer is I, I hope <laughs> the players and everyone are feeling the same way as myself and the supporters with this would be a little mini grand final for us if we could uh, win this one. Great way to build that momentum into next year. Just on the point, it seems like the, any thought of not uh, fielding your best team in the last few weeks... I'm talking all the clubs. Yeah. Now everyone's learnt the lesson. The better you go in the last few games, no matter where you finish on the ladder, the better platform it is to the following year. Oh, but we're, we're trying to build a culture of... And, and you've got to keep in mind, a lot of players and a lot of people have been embarrassed about the way things have gone this year and, and we don't want to tolerate that and we want to send a message. And it was really important at that review point that we said to our supporters, we'll be trying to win every game and throw everything at it and um, this is unacceptable and that's all part of it. We better let you go, Gary. I think you've got more commitments, but uh, good to have a chat with you. Great. Thanks, guys. Gary Pert, the CEO of the Demons, who go in against Collingwood in an hour's time. Why, why, why is ahead. Get the dialing finger ready. 96900 693 or 131332. 3RW Football coming to you for McDonald's. Why, why, why? For Winston with a Y. Uh, always a beloved segment on 3AW Football Preview, and not just because we give away a prize. There's a $100 voucher thanks to Platform 28. Great food, cold drinks, the best place to eat or drink before or after the footy. 96900 693 or 131332. Plenty of calls already on the switchboard. Uh, Lee, want to ask you one. Um, North Melbourne's historians named their top ten players in history. And uh, Malcolm Blight, who is a legend, one of, what is it, about 30, I think, the current number of legends in the history of Australian less than, football. Less than 30. In the Hall of Fame. Well, just under. It's, it's crept yep. up pretty close to 30. And uh, he could only come in at number six at North Melbourne. Why would that be? Well, I guess the, the, that the judges put in there, Tim. That's the obvious answer. But uh, uh, in the seventies and eighties, in my playing time, and I was asked when I retired who was the best player I'd seen, and Malcolm Blight was it. So he, I thought he was the best player. 
of the uh, of the 70s and 80s outside the Hawthorne uh, team and of course later on I thought Wayne Carey was maybe the best ever so uh, so the judges have obviously gone I would have thought that Carey and uh, Blight would have been one too so you'd put but him ahead of Keith Gregg, Brent oh, yeah. Harvey, Alan Aylett? Yeah, the one, well, Alan Aylett was my childhood hero, but of the ones that you see, I've seen a lot of, I, I thought, uh, no, I thought Blighty uh, would have been uh, would have been certainly number two, but the judges, on whatever criteria that they uh, judged it on, thought otherwise. Well, an, another another football hall of fame legend was left out altogether in Barry Cable. Mm. Jimmy Cracker couldn't make the top ten. Anthony Stevens could. Oh, there were a lot of eye raises, uh, eyebrow uh, raises for me on that list. Why well, I asked a question to someone the other week why Barry Cable was left out, and the answer I got was not enough games for North Melbourne. They kept stipulating games for North Melbourne. What rot. He played for five years no, no. and he played in no, a no, premiership. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I reckon it's, it's reasonable to get put the longevity into it. Like mm. you could have had an outstanding hundred games, like super super hundred games. But you've had been terrific for 300. I think longevity actually should be in play in those kind of selections. I don't. I would understand that. So it was about 116, 113, 116 games for Barry Cable. And about five years. Yeah, five six years. Well, that, that would be enough for me to make the top ten, to crack the top ten, Tim. And Malcolm Blight not being in the top five, it was put to me he only came second in a best and fairest. I mean, you've you got to sometimes you've just got to judge from your gut. This, this and Malcolm Blight. We've just heard it from Lee Matthews, the best player in his time as a footballer, and yet he's not in the top five of North Melbourne's best but ever. But I would go again. But best is different to who gave the best service over an entire career. Well, I think the player of the 20th century declaring uh, Malcolm Blight the best of his time is a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Jimmy, just before we get to our calls, I think you have a question on your mind. Yeah, I just time slots again, uh, Caro. I know you agree with this one. It's 7 o'clock or 7.30, Friday night games, and don't play them in the middle of winter in Canberra or 4 o'clock in Tassie. It's too cold. It's too dark. It's too. It's snowing. But uh, Friday night for me is my big bugbear. 7.50, it's... Days have changed. You, you, people can get attracted to other things, you know, in that time. It's too late. It's too late for people to go to the games. It's too late to turn on. You feel like you're watching the last quarter at 1 o'clock in the morning. Friday night footy should start at 7.20. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And the sooner the AFL stop paying lip service to Channel 7 on this ridiculous Friday night start time, the better. What do we pride our game as? The people's game. The winter game. Yeah. The winter game. Yeah, it's, it's not about, it's not about the cold weather. Some Sorry. of you blokes... No, I, well, clearly GWS had an issue. I was a win. No, I, I've got Tim, it's not, about, it's not about the cold weather last night. It's the fact that you should be able to sit down and watch footy from 7.20 and not 7.50. Well, there are people saying it was a fixturing blunder of great magnitude that the game was played in Canberra uh, in, in the height of winter. I was asking for, it was, I was asking for trouble. I mean, it doesn't yes. snow in Canberra very often, as we pointed out. <laughs> it was but glorious. We'll yeah, remember you, it forever. If you Get wanna... past the fact that you played in snow, league. You've got to move on. But if you snow, wanna... That 14-year-old self. It's snowflakes. But if you want to tick every box for potential to snow in a game, 750 <laughs> in, in August. Remember in when they played that yeah. game at Ballarat at yeah. 3.20 yeah. on a Sunday? Yeah. Oh, my Lord. So that's my point. Don't play in those venues like late afternoon or night time. Lee, I think it's your turn to be the judge in Why, Why, Why. Let's oh, get a Rebecca to set the ball only ever gives it to people who oh, are nice This is my first it. time as yeah. judge. Thanks very much, Tim. I appreciate it. Rebecca well, from Williamstown. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, do you get to be the oh, judge? Yeah, um, just... Good afternoon. I have three why, why, whys. And I love you, Joe. And good afternoon to Carol and the panel. Good I love afternoon. Carol. I reckon she's great. My number one why, why, why is why is I'm a Collingwood supporter. 
why do we always struggle against Melbourne? That's my first why. Why, why, why? My second why, why, why is why is Nathan Buckley saying we're in a better position than last year? And my third why, why, why is saying Gary Pert used to be the CEO at Collingwood and why, why, why is he going to Melbourne? Hmm. Just on your first point about Collingwood struggling against Melbourne, I did the numbers on this. Only two of the last 12 encounters between the clubs have been decided by less than four goals. So the wins have generally been quite decisive and Collingwood have won more than their fair share, Rebecca, but uh, they're mere stats. And Gary Pert went to Melbourne because he... Well, he was let go at Collingwood after a successful tenure, it must be said, in wherein they won a 2010 premiership with him at the helm. But the, the last couple of years weren't quite so successful. There was a big internal review run by Peter Murphy. Gary left and he was snapped up by Glenn Bartlett, the Melbourne president, a few months later. What about the Bucks' comment about our injury list is about the same as it was last year? I mean, it's as long as your arm this year, but was it that bad last year, was it, too? Well, that's, that's how we uncovered a lot of players. Remember, they had a pretty much a makeshift back line for yeah, the majority yeah. of the second yeah. half of the year. and. But they got got on a roll towards they the back did. end. They did. We better push through these calls pretty quickly. Hope we've uh, covered most of your lineup of questions there, Rebecca. Tim from Brighton. Oh, good afternoon, Tim Lee and uh, the team. Um, just when it cannot seem to get any worse, why, why, why are Gold Coast once again having to deal with cultural issues regarding the alleged incident uh, with Brendan Cosley? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd, you don't know whether you pin that on the Gold Coast or just um, youth in general, young footballers. It's the first non-Collingwood player in the last few years to test positive to a illicit substance on match day. Um, I, I think that the Gold Coast have got a huge amount of problems, but I, I wouldn't say this one crossly positive test tells us that they've got big cultural problems. And we can't presume his guilt yet, Tim, but uh, we take your question. He is, he is in fairness saying he's innocent, that he doesn't know how the cocaine got in his system. Yep. That's uh, pretty normal for most people. Yeah, they, well, always, they do it always is, say that. We've heard it many yep. times. Brad from Clifton Springs, go ahead. G'day, hey, Jimmy, why, yes. why, why would you say it's too cold or we shouldn't play in Canberra? Have a look at how many people turned up last night. They love their footy. Yeah. And you know what? It could be snowing all, all the whole game, they'll say. No, no, I, I was, it was more tongue-in-cheek for me. It was too cold for me. Um, <laughs> no, our Canberra supporters are absolutely fantastic. They show up every single time. There's, I don't know the, the final number, but I think it's around about 11,000. And when I was walking around the ground, they were absolutely pumped. So happy they were with the conditions. They were lining up for ice creams. So <laughs> we absolutely love the, the Canberra support we get. We've got over 6,000 members there. Look, I was just being a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I'm a wimp when it comes to the cold weather. Always we, can't, we can't say the people love being there when it was about three degrees Canberra snowy. People, Canberra people well, wear it like a badge of honour. They honor. loved it. It's like, look at us. Hey, Jimmy. We're just out on the outer wing. They look pretty happy on face. the TV pictures. They were pumped. How would you have handled, handled Clarko as coach telling you you couldn't wear sleeves? Yes, Mr Clarkson. No, Mr Clarkson. <laughs> I'd like my paycheck to come in the mail. Thank you, Mr Clarkson. <laughs> Lee, did you ever wear sleeves when you played senior footy with the Hawks? Yeah, a couple of times. But I, I must admit, it never lasted over more than a quarter. So no. they were woolen in those days. Yeah, right. I used to wear the woolen one as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pete from Coburg. Good afternoon, everyone. Pete. Yeah, uh, I just want to know why Leon Cameron's job hasn't come into scrutiny. This so-called Ferrari is driving. Blew a gasket last night. <laughs> <laughs> I did. We needed a full oil change, didn't we, as well, Lee? 
Yeah, I think I think we'll I think that'll be a bit of a recurring um, conversation if GWS continue to but go the way they're going. To his question, and you almost answered it for him. Is he his job's always under question? Yep. I think that's right. I yeah, think he's it's been always, it's always been under heavily scrutinised. Yeah. His, his coach his his tactics often are more scrutinised than any other coach in the AFL. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. There's this view that he was, you know, gifted this unbelievable list and he hasn't done enough with it. I'm not sure how fair that is. We better get to a break. Greg, Bill, Lisa, Ben, Anne and any others. Hang on. We will get to you after this. Still the lethal injection to come and Collingwood football manager Jeff Walsh will be our guest in the 3AW commentary box. Don't go away. Match time 1.45. The Demons and the Magpies, those great rivals of yesteryear doing it one more time. You'll hear it on 3AW Football. 3AW Football brought to you by McDonald's. 24 Chicken McNuggets for $9.95. Available at Macca's after 10.30am. Footy preview in the lead-up to Melbourne versus Collingwood, which is just under three-quarters of an hour away. YYY continues. Wow, 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 to get wow. through before we are joined by Collingwood's footy manager, Jeff Walsh. Greg is on the Nick Theodosi Prestige Cars open line from St Albans. Fire away, Greg. Good afternoon, all. Why, why, why can't the AFL get the clash jumpers right? I mean, last night, um, the orange of the GWS and the yellow of um, Hawthorne, and you had the snow. It looked mighty confusing there at times. Oh, he's going to be hard mm. to beat here, Greg, because oh. I was watching on TV thinking exactly the same thing. You know, yeah, really had to concentrate on oh, geez, who had the ball. Those, the clash of the mm. yellow and the orange uh, was uh, would have been good if it had been avoided somehow. Well, well at the game, uh, there, there wasn't a problem because Hawthorne just seemed to have the ball the whole time. So no, they were the ones with the footy. <laughs> with the footy so I, didn't, I didn't have any trouble. I don't know why. Didn't uh, you have any trouble? Seriously, I think Hawthorne no, and GWS in a blizzard have always been very difficult to differentiate. Greg, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good question. Good question. Bill from Melbourne. Yes, uh, look, thanks for taking the call. Why hasn't Nathan Jones been signed up at Melbourne? And why don't clubs re- uh, repay loyalty anymore? Well, I think he will be signed up. I think there was some talk about the offer was a bit unders, but I think he's going to accept that offer. To be honest, I wouldn't have thought it was over the line that he would get a contract next year, Jimmy, would you? Uh, I imagine he would, but it's just what the terms of the contract are about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think they've, they've also they've come to an agreement. Mm. I think it's a heavily incentivised contract so that if he does have a good season he'll be real yeah, well triggers. rewarded. I don't think he's part of the future. No, but you don't reward no, no, loyalty. No, 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 I'm saying that he does get a contract next year but it's right on the fringe of whether we sort of move on uh, mm. from the slow midfielder which is what Nathan Jones effectively is. In, uh, you know, you can't reward loyalty once the player is coming to the end of his career. Thank you Bill. Lisa from Port Melbourne. Lisa you there. She's gone. Ben I- from the Gold Coast. G'day, Tim. Why, why, why are Melbourne Football Club allowing their players to run around and kick goals with prominent alcohol sponsorship on their shorts? Johnny Walker is the brand. Doesn't this fly in the face of the AFL's harm minimisation strategy regarding alcohol? And if it was Richmond, Basher Hawley wouldn't even be able to demonstrate and play his trade for us all. This is an abomination. Well, Richmond isn't sponsored by Johnny Walker, so it's not an issue for Richmond. Do you have a problem, Caro? With um, I don't have as big a problem with it as I do with gambling sponsorships. I've got to say, and gaming sponsorships. 
but I can understand why many people would find that offensive. I'm not, I'm not sure, Tim. What about you? Well, Carlton Draft is an official sponsor product of the AFL. Um, Which is no different, really, is it? I mean, they're one of the AFL's biggest sponsors. I mean, I can understand people having their reservations, but, I mean, these are they're products that, yes, can uh, bring damage to people's lives, but they can also bring, you know, a great enhancement to people's lives as well. I think Brisbane having gambling, a gambling sponsor on its jumper, with all the issues Brisbane have had with players and gambling issues, is, was a really disappointing decision. I know they were desperate, but I hope now they've had some success this year, they change that. Ben, reasonable question you've posed. Anne from Airport West, you're the last. Oh, hello. Um, I'm wondering why they don't make a new rule that the third person to jump on top of the two players on the ground with a ball gets the free kick is awarded against them. It's terrible for the players' backs to have three or four people piling on top and it would stop a lot of um, unnecessarily jumping on, you know, making piles and stopping the game all the time. Ooh, interesting thought by mm. Anne. Mate. That is, that's a that's a fact. I mean, the third and fourth bloke pile. I mean, okay, one guy's got the ball. The second opponent sort of jumps on him. The two of them are on the ground. Then there's a third, and then a fourth pile on to make sure we have a ball up. I wish we could avoid that somehow or other. Through the blizzard, I saw some pretty tough decisions go against the ball player last night. I thought, Lee, give us a verdict on the why 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 segment for today. A hundred dollar voucher thanks to well, Platform Twenty Eight on the end of it. Greg with the clash jumpers was right on top because I was thinking that the whole time I was watching it last night. But the last <laughs> one for me. Yeah, if we want to get rid of congestion, stop the third and fourth bloke piling on the pack would be a pretty good start. So Anne has Anne nutted Greg right yes. on the line. Well done, Anne. If you're still on the line, have a word to our producer. Otherwise, give us a call back. Uh, Lee, while you're hot, it is that time. Time for the lethal injection. Oh, the post is broken. He's in it. The lethal. <laughs> Talk about a he-man. Injection. Snow pouring down broken posts. Talk about a he-man. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about, to, uh, on my injection about the Friday night primetime wannabes. They're the teams that don't get much primetime on Friday night. So when they finally get one, they think they have to give the broadcaster something special to celebrate the night. Now, I'm going to, this, is, this is one with putting my coach's hat on. These are things that would not happen if I was coaching a footy team. Halftime last night. Game's a couple of goals in it. They're in the rooms. BT is in the meeting room where the Giants players were going to meet with their line coaches. He's there with the microphone, the camera, the cameraman, probably a producer, in what is an area where we're talking about what's going on in the game. Like when the players look up and they see a camera in there, now, the connection might be nil, but they came out after half-time and played the worst half of footy they've ever probably ever played. Like, in other words, there's no way Hawthorne would have been doing that. There's no way there was going to be a camera in the meeting room where the Hawthorne uh, are actually doing their sort of planning and their plotting and planning. Alistair Claxon would not allow that. So be careful, you Friday night wannabes. Well, don't, that, that is don't a, be too that's a nice brilliant to, injection. Don't be too nice to the broadcasters if it's going to cost you winning games of footy. Now, again, as we were talking about environment and attitude and trying to get the right mindset, this is a subtle little thing all the time, but those kind of things, having cameras in areas where we're doing match planning and plotting, and not just a camera on the wall, that's different, but a camera, cameraman, bloke with a microphone doing an interview, shouldn't happen. Your club did something similar they earlier this year. Did. 
exactly the same. There was another example, if we want to go into it, in, uh, when the Lions played Collingwood in that Thursday night, Easter Thursday game. So to do something special, they had poor Bruce McAbaney was in the middle of the huddle as the players were about to go out on the field doing an interview while other, the players were waiting for Bruce to finish the interview. I mean, it might make no difference to what happens in the game. I understand that. But Collingwood wasn't going to do it. Bucks wouldn't have allowed it. So the Friday night, one of these, uh, got to be very careful. Uh, Lee, how do the clubs handle, obviously, yeah, the pressure from not only the broadcasters, because they want more, so then next time they go to get the broadcast yep. rights, we yep. can say yep. we've got this access. But also, a lot of those clubs you mentioned, they, there's big distributions going on, so there'd be pressure from AFL to open up for broadcasters. How do they sort of handle that going forward then? Well, if, if, if you're a coach and it's going to inhibit your team's chances of winning... Now, I often say normal is simply what happened all the time. Like when I was coaching Collingwood 30 years ago, you didn't do pre-game interviews, but you do now. So in other words, if things are normal, but I reckon a camera in the real... A camera and a cameraman um, in the room where sort of players are kind of in a group and you're hearing your teammate being interviewed, I think that's where the line... Is crossed Let's my point of quickly view. hear from Dot on the open line for Nick Theodosi Prestige Cars. Go ahead, Dot. Hi, I, I just thoroughly want to agree with Lee Matthews. Brian Taylor, even after the game, it drives me nuts. The guys just want to be themselves. They want to be there on their own. You see them ducking him all the time. He, he just shouldn't be there doing that sort of thing. I don't After mind roaming. Point. I After don't mind roaming point. Brian yeah. when the game's over. But I'm so with Lee. Geelong did it a year or so ago. They had the camera and someone interviewing the Geelong players as they ran on to Cadinia Park. Yeah. It was terrible at the start of the game. You know the big moment when you run onto the ground. Surely that is sacred, and that is something that you shouldn't be inside unless you're a player. And it is an equalisation thing. You're right, Lee, because the rich get richer and more successful, and the poorer clubs are forced to do these things. Even St Kilda having to sell, a, you know, to have to go over to China is part of it as well. But I, I didn't like that last night at halftime. Lee, what would you have done if you were coaching a club whose needs were such that at some stage the powers that be? Uh, compromised what you considered the proper preparation for a match or at half-time? Well, it wouldn't happen if you thought it was going to inhibit your chances of winning. So you would just wouldn't say, we're not, we're not doing it? Yeah, but I mean, there's things you can do. You're trying to cooperate. We're trying to actually spread the game. Understand that. And some things just don't matter. But there's certain lines where you've got to say as coach, if you're the one who is mainly trying to work out the what what happens with the group if you think this is going to inhibit our performance in some way well, it might inhibit the performance just so no we're not doing it jimmy will give you a recording of this segment to take to the next gws i think jimmy is nodding not i think you agree with lee no it's just just the difficulty as, as we both mentioned that you know the rich clubs can actually afford to be stronger in say that no yeah in that position that, that's just the reality of the way the game is cool the boat brummel of Football commentators has just walked into the 3RW commentary box. His name is Tony Leonard. Got to get to a break. We've got Jeff Walsh, Collingwood's football manager, after this on 3RW Football, brought to you by McDonald's. You've seen when I mentioned I was trying in the spa, that was directly after a game. We'd, we'd beaten Carlton. It was after a game last year. We'd beaten Carlton. We'd won the game. You know, we'd all played really well. I was just overwhelmed. Um... I don't remember what it was, but I was just in the spa and I remember there's a couple other players and I was just walking around the little island that we have and going underneath the water crying, crying and then hopping up 
wiping. It looked like I just had. I was obviously in the water. So you can joking I was and laughing and being there. Just trying to be normal. And then I remember if it wasn't for for my partner Kimmy, for Nick Maxwell, Bucks, Jackie, who's my psych slash really really good friend, my family. I probably I probably wouldn't be playing footy to be honest with you. Really? I, I was at a point last year where I could have easily. It was almost like the hamstring injury that I had was a blessing in disguise for me because I was at it at, at I was at the end. I almost wanted to, and that's the brutal truth. I, I was almost wanted to stop playing. Welcome back, Adam Trelaw on Fox Footy, talking about the emotion of uh, losing last year's grand final, Collingwood having another crack at it this year, but uh, it has kind of taken a almost a, a reverse. Um, process from last year's where it started without the expectation and uh, finished up almost with the ultimate glory but uh, this year starting with all the expectation and things have sort of headed in an unpredictable direction late in the piece and uh, well placed to talk about it as Collingwood's football manager Jeff Walsh who joins us uh, in the 3RW commentary box. Does it feel a bit that way Jeff or Uh, am I misreading it? Well I think from a pure statistical point of view, at this round last year we were exactly the same, 12-7. Uh, pretty much similar to where we had an, uh, a number of players who'd missed and were starting to come back from an injury or unavailable sense, and we're, and we're in that position again. Um, I think it's fair, though, that since the bye, we're, we've coughed and spluttered a bit in our form. There's no, no doubt. I think our bye was around 13 or 14. Since then... Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'd agree that we haven't been as consistent because I think for the first dozen or so rounds we're pretty consistent. Uh, on that injury list, Jeff, uh, you go through it and it looks long, it, it's deep, but there's some actually strange ones or ones that you can't really plan for at the start of the year. You got gambling, you got the drugs issue. Obviously, Dane Beam stepping away with mental health. You got the big fella Cox with an eye socket and, and knee reconstructions. Is the injury list? something worth reviewing or would you just look and go we, we can't do much about that yeah i oh, know we, we would certainly review jim there's no doubt about that um because you know your ideal is to have uh, 44 or 45 players available and then you work back from there but no we, we would review but in terms just the, again numbers we've got five soft, soft tissue five who have like collision or or uh, rico types and three who are on that uh unavailable list through you know various reasons like suspension etc so um and when we lump those together and some you know, in a in a sense in a reporting sense you know the the, the stevensons and the, and the and the beams uh have been put into that category as you know horror injury run well yeah they're unavailable and we'd love them to be available but it, it's it's something that i think is probably not too dissimilar to previous years in terms of our soft where we where we want to get better no doubt is that we've had within those soft tissues we've had a a, a few players who are recurring like you know darcy and geordie for example so yeah we, we need to get better at at keeping those sort of players on the park and we talk about that all the time in the sam murray um case is there a genuine frustration from collingwood why you don't have an answer back yet uh, well, because it's you know, sort of third-party Asada stuff, we don't get a lot of information about that. In t- you know, let alone um, you know what what are likely outcomes or, or whatever. Um, I- I'm going on the rumour mill that, that that apparently you know there'll be a conclusion sooner rather than later. What does that mean? I don't know, but I think maybe by finals time, we'll, you know, Sam will know his uh, fate officially. So, uh, but that's all I, I honestly know. And so Dane Beams came back and 
was going to have another crack, and then you announced that he... I thought he'd already had surgery, but he's now having surgery. He's on his shoulder, yeah. Yep. Well, he, he... When he was playing in the early part of the year, uh, he had some shoulder concerns, and... and, and uh, the surgeon that we that he we use said that uh, at the end of the year he'll he'll require shoulder surgery, but you know like a lot of players, let you, you you'll be able to play under difficulty or under a degree of difficulty for the rest of the year. When Dane's other issues uh, surfaced uh, again, we thought well okay let's rather and he very much of the same opinion rather than wait and then eat into your pre-season. Let's clean up all those sorts of things now, um, and uh, hopefully he gets a really strong run at it pre-season. I don't want to be disrespectful to his off-field issues, and we totally understand that he's he's had some real struggles. But it seems that you gave an enormous amount for an older player, two first-round draft picks, and it hasn't worked out, has it this year? It's, I mean, he was he wasn't playing particularly well by the time he walked away. Yeah, to around 21, you, you, you're right. We would have expected a better return. There's no doubt about that. Um, but we also have faith that he is an a, he's an A-grader. I don't think either by any measure that that would be a, a statement that, that's other than that it is fact. So he, you know, he came back to us on a four-year deal. So we, we would, that's why we want to get pre-season pristine for him have a really good run at it and have three really good years. But to round 21, do we think that he would be uh, unavailable or play at the level that uh, he was playing at, which wasn't his, his, uh, the level that we're accustomed to or he's accustomed to? No, no, we didn't. We didn't. Jeff, we've listened to Adam Trelaw as you started the interview and we've been seeing a lot of Collingwood with this documentary that premiered at the Melbourne Film Festival, I think, the other day and incredibly emotional scenes after the game, after the grand final, um, the, the scene of a player being told he's no longer wanted at the club with Nathan Buckley and Jared Blair. It just seems a really strange time for that to have come out. Uh, is, is that ideal? Well, I, I think when, you know, when uh, something like that is not totally within the club's control in terms of release and getting finance for the for the film uh, for the doco and uh, and the machinations that third parties who are let's be honest they're all trying to make a quid out of it um yeah look in an ideal sense if we were planning it from a to z we would have said yeah let, let's release this in the pre-season but when you when when the people who are putting their coin in uh, may not have a backer may not have a station or a, or, a, or a medium that wants to run it then uh, we're, we're sort of a bit in their hands. Yeah, you know, we, we, we had some certainly enough control over it to say, okay, if it's going to come out at this time of the year, this is the, you know, the these are the, these are the parameters that we want to um, want you to abide by. And so far, that's that's been the case. But yeah, look, in an ideal world, January, February, March, probably. What a Collie would get out of allowing it to happen in the first place. Uh, look, I. Someone like me, I'd, I'd struggle to. I'd struggle, Ant. <laughs> the marketing no, department, reckon any publicist good publicist. but I think, yeah. You know, in all honesty, I, I think, yeah. You know, in the in the days that we're all living in now, the uh, open yourself up, uh, give give people the opportunity to see behind the closed door, get the the general public, and often they're the general public who are paying or passionate supporters, a look behind what they see other than than a player being interviewed on the boundary line. I think we now, as clubs and organisations, realise, and this is a worldwide phenomenon too, that we've got an obligation probably to to open ourselves up to that. Um, But... uh, 
yeah, and so one of the benefits, they're not probably not hard and fast material benefits, but they're, they're, they're probably benefits that, that give us a feel that we're doing the right thing by the people who follow us. Yep. Brody Grundy is a hot property now. Um, are you going to have to offer him more than three years in this era in which long-term contracts, uh, if not the norm, uh, are becoming something we're used to seeing? Uh, well, look, we, yeah, where that ends, Tim, yeah, who knows? Yeah, right right now there's an offer on the table uh, to to Brody and his management. Uh, now, Ned Guy has been you know, pretty thorough in his, uh, not only in, in what he's gone through, but in his preparation and his discussions with, with management. Um, I think wherever it'll land will be commensurate with the undeniable fact that we need and want to retain Brody Grundy. There's no doubt that he's an absolute A-plus grader. So um, we're, 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 no, we're not closed-minded about anything that will keep him at the footy club. Um, bear in mind that Ned had, you know, it's easy for me, to, even me to say that, but, you know, we've got 40, you know, we've got, we've got Geordie Dugowie and Darcy Moore, for example, who are high profile, and I only use those because that's they're the three that have been grouped together, who come out of contract at the same time. So, you know, it's a juggling act in terms of how much you can offer those guys, how much you can uh, re retain uh, for potential um, safety of your salary cap, if you like, uh, and, and how much you need to offer them to retain uh, to satisfy the player. So, it, it's it's a complex issue. A bit. Just to wrap things up, uh, you win today, and uh, if Carlton beat Richmond tomorrow, you're in the top four. Your fate is in your own hands. You and Eddie and Bucks and uh, everyone at Collingwood, no doubt, will be right behind the Blues tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, ab absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, look, absolutely yeah. Yeah. I spent nine years of my working life at Carlton, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be... Uh, I'll, I'll be cheering him on. I'll, I'll lead the chorus. We've, we've got back, some work to do here today first. Yeah, I was going to say, Ben Rude, how, how quick or how long? Uh, yeah, back? well, Ben Ben uh, had a setback about a month ago, and I think at that time, you know, he was he was pretty forlorn about coming back. But like like Darcy and like Geordie, he's... Uh, he, he, he's, he's accelerated his recovery pretty quickly, so um, yeah, all's not lost for this year for Ben either. Okay. Jeff, got to wrap it up there. Thanks for joining us. Good luck. Thanks a lot, guys. And I uh, hope the Blues can get the job done for you tomorrow. Got to take a break. Big tone not far away. This is 3RW Football brought to you by McDonald's. And welcome back to 3RW Football Preview. The big man who travels by train got here early today, it would appear, from his attire because it does seem that he has been to lunch or some other formality. Uh, let's throw to Tone's Twist. And Tone, as we cue you in, I've got another little bit of music today and you know who this is paying tribute to. Mm -hmm. Scotty, life can be rough, life can be tough, life can be kind. Scotty, Kevin Johnson tone, and who could that be about? <laughs> There's only one person. Good afternoon, Tim. Good afternoon, everyone. It is with a heavy heart that we present the twist today, all thanks to Yarra Valley and Croydon Toyota. Danny Heffernan out at Yarra Valley, Robin out there at the Croydon Toyota and for the best deals on one of Australia's great dealerships, Yarra Valley and Croydon Toyota and yes Tim, I was just thinking of that other great song that uh, Kevin Johnson did, 
Aussie rules, I gave you all the best years of our lives. You remember that one, Caro? Well, it was actually rock and roll, I gave you all the best years. I wasn't an original. (laughs) (laughs) And what about Bonnie, Please Don't Go? I know. Remember that one? This is, a, this is black armbands, ladies and gentlemen, in the 3AW commentary box because our favourite footballer has announced his retirement, Scott Thompson. Oh. And, Scotty, I'll leave it over to you, Jimmy, but can I just suggest yeah. that the rip jumper just won't seem the same again? No, I think hashtag put your rip jumpers out will we'll, you know, be trending across <laughs> Australia and the world. So get your favourite footy jumper, rip the hell out of it, put it on your front door and... Let's have a toast I thought it was a miracle his, his career continued after he decided to bully Barry Hall. Yes. Yes. And Barry Hall couldn't do much, fortunately. But he wanted true. to do a lot. He nearly suffocated him. We can, <laughs> we, 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 we can pay tribute to him, but let the great man, in his own words, here's a, just, a, just a little snap of his retirement speech. Uh, first of all, uh, yeah, obviously 12 years. Um, finally, the umpires have put a nail in me. And I'll... <laughs> <laughs> No, as a kid, you know, I always thought I'd give him a left nut um, to play. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to miss that. (laughs) We are going so much to miss that. Can I say, I know that there are verbal antagonisers, and Mackie is one of the great ones, but someone that sort of went a little bit outside of the verbal stuff, who liked to pinch and grab and rip. And, Jenny, and lay on you just that three or four seconds longer. Did you have one down at the Cattery? Yeah, Paul Chapman was a fine exponent of, of using you to get up off the ground all the time. And I think he, Peter Philandia one day, he actually got he broke his ribs by, whoops, I accidentally tripped while I was trying to get up and my knees fell in your back. Righty-o, thank you. <laughs> Lee, have you got one that just like to go that extra yard for the coach? Just a little rip here. Oh, Mickey Gaper, I reckon, who, uh, who was the tagger-type player at Collingwood, was a terrific value player. And like Scotty Thompson, he got the best out of himself. I reckon, yeah. I reckon he's a player who's got the best out of his God-given talents. And we shall certainly miss him. And you will too, Jim. Yes. Sadly, he'll be gone. So, Scott Thompson, on behalf of the 3AW commentary team, we didn't. We only met you the once. And when you asked about the rip jumper, you said you had no knowledge of what we were talking about. But uh, it was fantastic. Caroline, and I must admit, you're joining the twist for the first time. I love your little offering that I think escaped the attention of many people. The West Coast uh, Carlton game last year featured a banner by the Carlton Football Club. There was a poem. It it rhymed with the word need. I think a a good game is what we need. But while we're here, Eagles, thank you, Dom Sheed. Where did that come from? Where did it come from? That is inspiration, and it is national, not necessarily local. Uh, the love Carlton Collingwood hatred. Caro, is thank alive you. And well. It's wonderful to have you along with us today. That completes the twist. All thanks to Yarra Valley and Croydon Toyota. If you're thinking car finance, think Yarra Valley and Croydon Toyota. This across Australia, as the game is all set up, Melbourne and Collingwood, the great rivals. Oh, thanks to McDonald's and at Yamaka's, the 24 chicken McNuggets for 9.95 available. At McDonald's after 10.30 a.m., you are listening to 3AW Football. Scotty, life can be rough, life can be tough, life can be kind.